Purple Rain album is complete. Nine brilliant tracks that changed pop music in 1984 and sent Prince to the highest of creative highs. But wait, there's more. Prince and the Revolution gave us four completely new B-sides to support the singles released on this album. Joining me to discuss the first of these classic B-sides, 17 Days, is Karen Shedrick. Welcome back to the show, Karen. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, it's a Purple Rain era. Moving on to the B-sides. With the 45 singles being still very popular in the early to mid-80s, there was a need to be filled for these B-sides, for the flip side of the A-side singles. When Dubs Cry, 1999, Let's Go Crazy. I mean, they all had B-sides that were um, you know, unique to to listeners, something that they couldn't find on albums. And that is a very, I think, memorable aspect of Prince's career in the 80s. Um, for you, Karen, 17 Days as a B-side. Did you did you know this song when it was released as the B-side to When Doves Cry? Well, I was introduced to it when I bought um, the single When Doves Cry, and it was a nice little present, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, Something brand new, something different, something that, you know, I didn't know about until I bought the single. I'm not sure if artists were doing B-sides at that time. Maybe they were. Uh, But I think he definitely uh, had something as far as the idea of putting new music on the back of popular singles. I think that was a terrific idea. And I I was pleasantly surprised when I heard this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it it was something that was done at the time because there was limited space on vinyl. You could only fit so much music on, you know, a a vinyl record. But Prince had a lot of music that he was recording at this time. He had more music than what could be fit on a 12-inch record. So, you know, the, the running time for Purple Rain is around, I think, probably 40, 45 minutes. There's nine tracks. But there was a lot of more music that he could have put on. Like if this was released in the CD era, mm-hmm. when you could have 60, 70, even 80 minute long albums and have it all fit onto one CD, you know, it might have turned out a little different. There might have right. been, this, this might have made it to the album. This could have been an album track. Uh, or, or maybe not, we'll never know. But there certainly wouldn't have been the limitations of the the style of media that was that was popular at the time. Even cassettes, yeah, you could fit a lot more music on a cassette than you can a record, but as long as records were still equally popular, that was going to be like the limiting factor, was how much music can you put on a record and keep it a single album and not do a, you know, a double LP like 1999. For me personally, 17 Days, I, I missed out on it when it was released uh, as the b-side to when doves cry i missed out on it because 
the previous Christmas, my older sister had received a, a boombox for Christmas. And so that had a tape player. Mm-hmm. So now albums, records were no longer our primary um, musical format. It was now cassettes. And so she had stopped buying, you know, 45s for, for singles. She stopped as soon as she got that boombox because now we could record songs off the radio. Right, <laughs> right. right. Sure you remember that. It's like, well, you know, why spend the money on a 45 when you can just pop in a blank cassette in, in your boombox, listen to the radio and hit that record button. And now you've got the single and you can fit, you know, 20, 30 songs on a 60 to 90 minute tape. And um, it was it was the more economical approach for sure. <laughs> for all of us, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't hear 17 days because we didn't. I never bought the 45. Um, I didn't have it. I didn't know anybody who had the Windows Cry 45. So I didn't come across 17 days until the hits and B sides collection that came out in 1993. Mm-hmm. So I was a little behind. You know that nine years later, I finally heard this song. And uh, at first I was like, I don't need all these B-sides. B-sides, because I, I guess I'm, I didn't really quite understand that in Prince world, B-sides were not just l- lower tiered songs, you know, like right. out- outcasts, songs that weren't good enough to make the album. <laughs> that really wasn't what the B-sides were all about. And, you know, when we're talking about Prince. Prince's B-sides were just as strong as many of the album tracks, and not just on Purple Rain era, but 1999, uh, Around the World in a Day, a Sign of the Time. I mean, a lot of those 80s albums were, they were still that format, that 45 format, and a flip side with B-sides. Those songs were super strong. And so that B-sides collection opened my eyes, not just to this song, but just to the concept of B-sides being kind of like you said, presents or hidden gems, Mm -hmm. something that the artist is giving, giving us the consumer, the fan, um, as like a gift, like here, you, you went out and bought this song for me. Here's, here's my gift to you. Exactly. (laughs) This song that you can't find elsewhere. So yeah, that, that was my, that was my introduction to 17 days but it's always been one of my most favorite prince b-sides and a lot of times people will cite she's always in my hair or erotic city for example as as Mm -hmm. their favorite prince b-side maybe something else but those two are often cited for me this is it this is my favorite prince b-side um bar none probably my top would be uh shockadelica Um, okay cool Mm -hmm. that's a great song yeah. But you do like 17 Days, though, right? <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, yeah. And like I said, I, I played it to death probably more than When Doves Cry, actually, when I bought it. Uh, because, like I said, it was it was something I wasn't expecting, and I didn't expect it to be that good. So, absolutely, yes. Yeah, plus it wasn't getting played all the time on MTV or on the radio. So, you know, there was a little bit of fatigue going on with One Does Cry, I'm sure. At least I experienced it, and you probably did as well. I will say, though, that 17 Days was played a lot on R&B stations. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that that was interesting to me at the time, probably more so than One Does Cry. That uh, is I, interesting. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't grow up with any R&B stations within 
within range of where I grew up um, in Wisconsin, so I wouldn't have known that. But, you know, uh, that's not surprising. I think Erotic City got a lot of uh, radio yes. as well mm-hmm. in certain certain markets, certain stations. Um, so that that's not surprising, I guess. What I do think is interesting, and I, I won't call the song this anymore, but the, the actual title, like if you got the record, you got the vinyl, 45, it says 17 days, and in parentheses, the subtitle is, The rain will come down, then you will have to choose. If you believe, look to the dawn and you shall never lose. Yeah. <laughs> That's the actual name, of, the proper name of the song. Nobody calls it that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Just 17 days, and we'll and we'll leave it at that from now on. But I thought it was worth mentioning to any of the listeners that that's the actual title of the song. It's very poetic. It's you know it's very Prince Princey. poetic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, so there was also a piano rehearsal version of this song that was released off of the Piano and a Microphone 1983 release a couple years ago. Did you ever hear that version, Karen? I heard it. I haven't heard it lately, but I did hear it eventually. I did. Very good. Yeah, it is. It's just one of the stronger, I think, songs yes. off that that Piano and a Microphone 83 album. Mainly because, you know, it, there's a lot of what, for me at least, there's a lot of similarities between that version and the recorded version. Like, it, mm-hmm. sure, it's just Prince on the piano, so there's not, you know, the drum track and um you know the background vocals and some of the things that make the song memorable the actual recorded song but a lot of the you know the the bones behind the song and prince's delivery really propel that version to a high standard in my mind it's it's i think the lyrics were still getting worked on at the time i don't you didn't have all of the the lyrics that ended up being in the final version of the song at least during that rehearsal, but uh, the melody's there, you know, and and the chorus is there, and so it's it's all um, very evident at that moment. And the, the final version, I think, got recorded in early '84, but he was playing around with this song throughout '83. And I don't know if you did any reading, but I read somewhere that it's possible that this could have been uh, used for the the second Vanity Six album. Yeah, I did read that, that he actually wrote this song for Vanity Six. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when Vanity left the group, he kept it for himself. But as I'm sure you you already know, Brenda did the background vocals on this song. Yeah, yep. Yeah. There's a version of this song with Brenda Bennett on background. And I think it probably would have been Brenda on lead vocals if it would have ended up on the Vanity Six song is my guess. Mm-hmm. Just because, um, you know, Brenda was singing along with Prince in the version that we don't have. Right. Uh, but I think the version that ended up getting put on the B side also has Wendy and Lisa. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not certain. I don't know this for a fact, but I think that there's probably, you probably hear all three of them on this track at some point even though prince did all of the he did all the instrumentation of course as the lead singer for the song but there's very clearly later on in in the track you hear very distinctly female vocals i mean really there's a whole section that's just the women singing right so i just thought that was some some interesting you know trivia tidbits about the the recording of the song and 
And as people listen to it, if they're not familiar with it, you hear women's voices in the background or singing certain parts of the song. That's probably Wendy and Lisa and maybe Brenda. But we right. don't. Okay, so this song is really kind of another one of those in the in the line of Prince songs where he's in a very sad state. You know, he's depressed. He's, you know, he's just had a breakup. You know, we're getting, as we get into the lyrics, it'll be very evident that he's mending a broken heart and he's lonely, feels abandoned. There's been other songs in his career leading up to this that have mined very similar lyrical paths. Some songs that I can think of off the top of my head, I mean, right off of Purple Rain, the beautiful ones, he sings that song from a place of from a place of heartbreak and heartache. Another one that comes to mind for me personally is also like uh, When You Were Mine, because he sings that song, mm. When You Were Mine, from somebody who's been rejected, somebody who's been feeling a little bit used and depressed over the the ending of a relationship so this uh, something in the water off of 1999 is another one so you mean these are songs that prince has done up to this point where he's taken this approach this lyrical approach of someone who is very uh, heartbroken and he's really wearing his emotions on his sleeve it's very emotional uh emo almost (laughs) to a certain extent where you really try to, you can really feel his pain through the lyrics. Um, is I mean, I'm assuming that's kind of what you get from it as well, Karen? Yeah, I mean, he's done it many times, and um, it's, it's like the same scenario uh, with him pining over a lost love or someone who left or someone who hurt him, uh, and he's trying to get over it or he's trying to get them back. Yeah, what's interesting about 17 Days, though, is even though it's sung from, like, the sad sack version of Prince, the music behind it is pretty upbeat. I mean, it's, it's, you can dance to this song, which, which you can't really dance to the beautiful ones. You can't really dance to something in the water. Or got a broken heart again. You can't really dance to got a broken heart again, no, but you can dance to 17 Days. Yes, yes. Very interesting that he put that spin on it. I guess like a, it's, it's still like a hurtful song, but because it's upbeat, you kind of feel like, well, you know, he's not really upset about it. He's just kind of angry about it at the moment that he can't find her or that he can't talk to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's, he mentions that several times in the lyrics as we start to go through that he's just really just wanting to talk to her. Right. And, you know, it's mostly mid-tempo. You've got some energetic drums. I think the drums make this song very memorable from a musical standpoint, at least for me personally. And that, that bass line is, is pretty dope. I mean, it's it's really nice. <laughs> it, it adds a lot to the song, I think. A whole lot. We both agree. Musically, it stands out. Lyrically, it kind of follows the path of somebody who is singing a song from a a broken-hearted state but also kind of wanting to not just like pining over her but wanting to potentially reconcile i guess mm-hmm. i mean why else would he want to continue to call her reconcile or just be her, this person's friend we don't know
first verse kicks off with called you yesterday you didn't answer your phone the main drag is knowing that you probably weren't alone so here i sit in my lonely room looking for my sunshine but all i've got is two cigarettes and this broken heart of mine okay so that's i call that the first verse it's really like back-to-back verses but there's no chorus in between them so I'm gonna group them together so the imagery that's being presented in these these two verses here at the beginning of the song what do you what do you see here Karen what do you like about these lyrics so far it gets right to it you know I tried to call you and I couldn't find you and I'm thinking you were with someone he just gets right to it, Why? what the, the song is about. And at this point, you don't know what's going on. You, know, no, you don't know where she is or why he can't find her. And meanwhile, you know, he's sitting in his room thinking about, okay, well, where are you and what are you doing? So it just kind of gets right to the point as far as what's going on with the song. Yes, it does. It does. I mean, he wants to call her up. Even though we have to assume they're not together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, you're thinking of a relationship and if if that person, I mean, he clearly hasn't moved on because he's thinking about, wants to call her, didn't, she didn't answer her phone. And he's assuming that she's moved on because right. you probably weren't alone. And I'm sure he's not thinking about, you know, any girlfriend that she might have over. He's likely <laughs> likely thinking of a man that's there now and taking his place. Uh, so that's a main drag. And I like the use of drag, because he does this. I don't know what it was at the time, but Prince really liked to use that word drag, which even in the 80s was kind of uh, like an anachronistic word. Like it wasn't really being used very often in in people's normal language, but Prince liked to use drag in his lyrics. Uh, he said double drag. Mm-hmm. in sexuality and let's pretend we're married and now he's saying drag here in this song like man that's a drag you know like mm-hmm. a bummer or something that basically sucks <laughs> right right it's uh it stands out because nobody else is really doing it which is kind of cool i just i just really thought of that as soon as you mentioned that that is true yeah that nobody was using that at the time no. in that context not really. I, not that I can think of. I'm sure you know somebody could probably cite another artist from the earth that was recording songs in the early '80s that might have used the word drag, but uh, I can't think of anybody personally. Um, I like the imagery in the second verse where it talks about lonely room looking for my sunshine uh, because it you know it gives it, it instantly puts the listener in this place where you're thinking of the singer. In this case, Prince, the character he's playing, kind of like sitting like in this dark, gloomy apartment or, or bedroom or something. You know, he got the lights off, the shades pulled. You know, he's just <laughs> kind of wallowing in his his despair. So it's like almost like a, a literal and a metaphorical darkness that he's that he's experiencing is the kind of the imagery I get here. Sitting in my lonely room, lonely because you know he's alone, of course, but. I also get the imagery that he's lonely because he's almost kind of like self-isolating and I guess uh, we can all kind of relate to self-isolating right now, but um, right. he feels like he was doing it because he was just so kind of, I don't want to say depressed, but maybe a little bit 
And when he's talking about looking for my sunshine, like once again, the literal and metaphorical sunshine, like mm-hmm. she's she is so uh, important to him and, and brings so much joy to him that that she can bring sunshine into his into his life. Like you, I just have like this imagery once again of like a really dark room, and then she she enters the room, and you just see the room brighten up, and it gets sunny in there, and that's and that's just what lyrics can do, you know. Good good written lyrics can give you images in your brain as you're listening to the singer sing it. Exactly, and the the whole two cigarettes, you kind of sense the desperation. This, this is all he's got going on. Literally, it's just two cigarettes. Yeah, which isn't much. No. <laughs> I also, I, I find that curious, though, because from all accounts that I've ever read, Prince was not a smoker. No. So he didn't even, like, it wasn't that he was ambivalent toward it. He, like, didn't like smoking. Really didn't like the fact that one of his bandmates, Lisa Coleman, was a smoker. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just some things that I've, you know, anecdotes that I've read about him. It wasn't like he was a tyrant, like, thou shalt not smoke anywhere near me, at least not at that time. Maybe he became that way later. You know, as the older we get, the less tolerant we are of other people's, what we call other people's bad habits. Uh, but at the time, I mean, you know, you watch, remember the video for uh, Automatic. Do you recall that video, Karen? First of all? I do, yes. <laughs> so Lisa's hanging out with a cigarette hang dangling from her mouth and, mm-hmm. and she's like right up next to Prince. So like if it bothered him that much, I can't imagine like he would have told her like, I really can't do this scene with you while you're smoking the cigarette. <laughs> and then of course the, you know, the purple rain scenes where she's smoking, you know, when they're waiting, you know, to go on stage. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. the um, dressing yeah. or whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I just found it funny because Prince has not never been a smoker to any account that I've ever read. I've never seen him with a cigarette in his hand or in his mouth. Unless it was like a joke. Like I think there might have been a photo taken where he was in his Jamie Starr character and mm-hmm. yeah. him and Morris Day were cracking up in the studio and he might have had a cigarette there, but he was playing a character. <laughs> so to yeah. which leads me to believe that this is well, I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily thought it was him anyway but that this is a character or this is a song about someone else other yeah. than him yeah i mean it gives us a clue as the listener yeah. anybody who doesn't really know prince would just listen to that line like oh you know that's a cool line prince was a smoker didn't know that but we know you and i know better mm-hmm. so we can think of it from a different angle and think of it like oh this is prince playing a character and this character smokes and this character is down to his last two cigarettes and a broken heart which isn't a whole lot. <laughs> no, not at all. The imagery is, is really good. I, I like the lyrics in these first two verses. Tells us a lot about his state of mind, his, where he's at in this um, situation that he's in. The girl is gone. He's, he's wishing that he could talk to her, maybe to win her back, or maybe just he wants some closure, not sure. Bottom line is... I mean, he says he has a broken heart, so it's it's pretty laid out, very clear for us as the listener that this man is dealing with a broken heart, and his sunshine, his quote-unquote sunshine, is gone. And then we get to the chorus, so let the rain come down, let the rain come down, let the rain come down, down, and he repeats that, those three lines again, let the rain come down. And that's the chorus. Um, 
And what that does for me, you listen to that as he's talking about how he's in a lonely room and he's missing the sunshine. Well, yeah, I mean, once the imagery is again of a very kind of overcast, gloomy situation that he's in. So what does it do when it's overcast and gloomy? It rains. Right. It right. rains. So he's he's basically once again wallowing in in despair. And not only is it in his heart, you know, whether or not he's speaking literally, there's raining it's rain coming down, or he's just saying, This is all just so much, you know, I'm dealing with so much heartache. It's raining in my heart and my soul right now. Mm-hmm. It's just cloudy, dark, dreary, and rainy. Right. Um, I kind of thought, well, I remember when I first started hearing the song, I used to think, let the rain come down may have been tears too. Mm-hmm. But I think I like better how you interpreted it because, you know, if you don't have sunshine, you're going to have rain. And he had lost his sunshine, so that makes more sense in this song. Yeah, but that's that's the beauty of this, though. I mean, mm-hmm. your um, original interpretation years ago about the rain, you know, being tears, is one hundred percent valid. And then I like that as well because mm-hmm. it's not like saying I'm just crying over you, crying, crying, crying. It's still a very poetic kind of way of saying like I'm really sad. You know, mm-hmm. right? And, and I guess in in the way I'm thinking of it, the way I thought of it, I get like this image and i'm sure you've probably seen cartoon character images where somebody is walking around with a with a cloud hanging over their head <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's just raining on that one person like everybody right. else around that person is dry <laughs> and it's sun shining but that one person has this rain cloud just following them around everywhere and and that's that's what i what i've kind of gotten from this song and the lyrics over the years is because Prince is that character. He's the one walking around with this rain cloud over his head all the time because he's just so sad. <laughs> but I like your I like your um, tears uh, metaphor for you know rain being tears as well. That's that's good. I'm sure that there's other people that can think of additional um, interpretations of this, like maybe the rain. I don't know, washing away the pain or washing away the loss maybe he wants the rain to come down so he says so let the rain come down so it's almost like he's um wishing it to come down to wash away the pain yeah that's a, yeah if you're right. thinking of like um dirty streets or a, you know like a, something that's dirty like your car is dirty sometimes you want the rain to come down to kind of wash away mm-hmm. the grime and the, and the dirt that has been accumulating and after a rain shower uh, it, everything kind of feels a little bit fresher and newer. That that sounds good to me because it makes sense in this in this song. Yeah, yeah, we kind of get the impression that he's um, he's been experiencing this oh, 17 days for, <laughs> for for 17 days now, and he's tired of it. I mean, can you imagine? Like, 17 days doesn't seem like a long time. It's less than a month, but when you've been dealing with loss for 17 days mm-hmm. and you've been in like this this state of mind uh it probably feels like forever i would imagine absolutely and i would i would be interested to know how he came up with the number 17 
<laughs> because it it and maybe because it is the song it works because you can't i mean 16 days doesn't sound right 15 days 20 days i, I don't know something about 17 days clicks <laughs> yeah know. yeah and the only thing i can think of is we, we kind of know that prince had a thing for the number seven now, 17 is not seven, but it does have the number seven in it. Mm-hmm. So that's, it may, it may be a stretch. I may be really kind of reaching here, but, you know, the, I as I listen to Prince's music with, with the knowledge that seven was a number that he really, um, he really kind of gravitated towards for whatever reason. Uh, you start to hear it everywhere. Like in songs, you'll mention seven here and seven there. And a lot of times it's not really upfront. I mean, it's not like as overt as the song seven, for example, but mm-hmm. there still be, there will still be lines in songs where he says seven. Now, seven days, I mean, he could have named the song seven days, but that's all, that means seven days is, is a week. And that's a very specific mm-hmm time frame you know it's a right. it's a period of time that everybody can relate to a week um but 17 is 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 much more random it feels like it's it's specific but but randomly specific like why 17 who knows right. Well, right. I, all, all i can point to is just it still has the number seven in it you could have done maybe 27 but then that's almost a month so it's like it's like <laughs> it's, perf- it's like it's this perfect middle ground longer than a week less than a month just enough time to be depressed. Yeah, just enough time days. for it to be yeah. a long amount, period, long period of time, but not so long that this person is probably too far gone. Right. Right. of of the title is in this next verse after the chorus you've been gone 17 days 17 long nights the main drag is knowing that you're holding someone else tight i want to call you every day and beg you to be near me but i know your head is underwater i doubt that you can hear me so yeah like i said here's where we get the first mention of the title you've been gone 17 days 17 long nights he mentioned he kind of like these two verses follow the same pattern as the first two verses where the main drag is doing that you're holding someone else tight so he's still bummed out by the fact that he's either knows or just believes in his heart that she's moved on mm-hmm. and now she's holding someone else not him and then with the second half of this section of verses I want to call you every day. So he mentions again, calling. He wants to call her. In the first verse, he says, I called and didn't answer your phone. Now he's saying, Mm -hmm. I want to call you every day and beg you to be near me. So once again, he's still pining. You know, you get that from the fact that he's, (laughs) he's, he's picking up that telephone. First, he was doing it. Now he says he wants to do it. And she's evidently gone away away. So it's not like he can go talk to her in person. 
she's yes. really gone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You kind of, you kind of do get that impression that because he has to reach out to her via phone, that either he's too afraid of seeing her in person, or she's too far away. You know, literally mm-hmm. too far away. Like she's moved away. Right. And um, but the last section, the lines but I know your head is underwater. I doubt that you can hear me. Uh, those lines always stuck out to me. I really I really think that that is great writing. So Karen, what, what do you get from those lines when you hear them? Well, your head is underwater. Maybe he's thinking that she's not thinking straight. You know, when you're underwater, you, you can't hear anything. You can't see or really hear what's going on around you. Yeah, it's a little so warped. Right. So it's hard for anybody to communicate with you. And when I first heard that, I was thinking that she was, you know, unreachable Mm -hmm. in a sense that she's, you know, she's not thinking straight. So she's not going to hear what I'm saying because she's out there, you know, like she's not thinking straight for Mm -hmm. me to even be able to reach her and explain to her how much she means to me. Like she's out of it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, out of touch, out of, you know, out of her head. And I also get, like, a little bit like she's self-absorbed, maybe. So maybe, like, he's trying to say, with her head being underwater, that she's not going to listen to him because she's she's maybe maybe not self-absorbed, maybe just really headstrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay. somebody's just kind of stubborn. And it doesn't matter what he says, doesn't matter how convincing he's... He is or could be because her quote-unquote head is underwater you know the metaphor of just being unreachable like you said he could be screaming in her ear and she's not gonna hear what he's saying because she's not in a frame of mind that is accepting to his words maybe so like I like that yeah it's not necessarily even I don't get necessarily like literally that she can't hear him Right. She can, I bet, but she's just not, like, not understanding the meaning behind his words, not paying attention, not really caring even, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if you've broken up with somebody and that person is trying to convince you to take them back, you're probably not going to really pay attention to their words. You're, You're paying attention to, like, their tone, and maybe you're just hoping to God they just go away. You know? Right, you tune them out. You're, you're yeah, not like, listening. She's not listening to him for a reason because she's not interested in him anymore, and he's not quite understanding that. He's not getting it. <clears throat> but I do. But I'm just saying, I do like that. I do like the imagery there. Your head is underwater. I doubt you can hear me because it is. It is a very cool way of basically saying this person is unreachable for whatever reason, and we're just speculating why. But you and I agree that this person is as unreachable um and it's not just because she's physically far away either mm-hmm. she's just not she's just not having it she's not into it anymore exactly I, I also you know i think i get sadness i mean we've talked about this song being kind of mid-tempo to up-tempo at times but I get a lot of sadness from those two lines right there. But I know, like, I want to call you every day and beg you to be near me. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do this. I want to be so close to you. 
but I know your head is underwater. I doubt that you can hear me. That's to me, that's a sad lie because it's coming from a place where this guy is almost like um, ready to give up. Right. And he's begging her. <laughs> he wants to beg her to be near him. So he's, he, he is desperate at this point. Yeah, there's just something about um, a person when they're kind of resigning that's a bit sad to me, especially when you're talking about resigning a relationship. Anybody who's resigning to the fact that the person that they love is unreachable, that's that's a sad sentiment for me. That's that's like basically saying I have to give up even though I don't want to. And everything everything about this feels right to me, but I have to give up now. He's recognizing that, that she's not going to come back. And I find that sad. It's very sad. And yeah. in, in, in the context of the song, it, like you said, it's, he's getting to a point now where he kind of realizes that there's nothing he can do. And it really is over. And yep. it took him 17 days to get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's yeah. kind of what it boils down to, right? I mean, 17 days is how long it took him to figure out that in spite of all of his efforts, that it's over. So after those lines, he gets back to the chorus. The chorus is the same. So let the rain come down, let the rain come down, let the rain come down, down. And then after singing the chorus again, we get the, the first kind of like um, hint of the female backing vocals. That section of the song is, is there's no prints at all in that. That's all the, the women singing, whether it's Wendy and Lisa and Brenda or whomever. Mm-hmm. That's all the women. And so that's just kind of like a, a reiteration. And it's the ha-has go along with the the drum track, which is cool. And the I think there's a synth line there, too. And I think that synth line, when people think of this song, that's what I think a lot of people recognize and remember is how that section goes. You can hum that to any, right. Prince, to any Prince fan and they know exactly what song you're, you're, you're singing. Or Famous you're hook. Famous yeah, hook. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great hook. You're right. Absolutely. And um, after that section, though, and then we get some more, some more lyrics. So there's actually quite a bit of lyrics in the song. I called you yesterday. So this is where he starts talking. Mm -hmm. So after the ha ha ha's 17 days, then he gets into the section where he's um, he's just talking, he's just speaking. He's not singing these lines. Called you yesterday. You didn't answer your phone. If you're the one who's always lonely, then I'm the one who's always alone. You know, with, with a lot of times when Prince does the his, his speaking sections and songs i guess it just depends on the approach he takes but we kind of know prince's speaking voice can be deep and a little bit softer mm-hmm. uh, so it's not always easy to pick up what he's saying when he does this in song when he, when he speaks in the song because it's not like the music completely drops out there's still right. music being played behind these these lines I, I sometimes have trouble 
and I would have to keep replaying it or try to find the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it depends on like if you're, I think it depends on where you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got headphones on, sure, you can get it. Yes. But if like you're jamming out in your car and you've got like ambient noise, you know, you got the, the streets and other cars and just the fact that you're driving and you've got the wind rushing, it's not easy. You're right. It just, I think it depends on where you're listening to these lines. But um, talking about the phone again, so he's back up on the phone. <laughs> you know, he's, he's repeating again this whole theme of trying to get her on the phone to call her up and talk to her. It doesn't say why he wants to talk to her or what he wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. But he's really trying to desperately get her on the phone as he's done just about every single section of the lyrics so far mentions something about calling her. And uh, in here with the, if you're the one who's always lonely, then I'm the one who's always alone section, I think. What I, what I kind of was thinking about with this, it almost suggests that you know she said he says that she's lonely which is kind of the first time you hear that you know you Mm -hmm. get the impression that he's all thinking she's moved on you know she's got another guy now but he says you're the one who's always lonely and he says if you're the one so it almost tells me like she's mentioned that to him at some point in their relationship or mentioned that to to him like because you can be with somebody and be lonely right i mean absolutely you, you can be an emotionally your, your emotional needs not being met even when you're in a, in a relationship and I just wonder if like with these lines where he says if you're the one who's always lonely I wonder if at some point he's suggesting that she said that to him when they were together that's, that's exactly what I got from it that, oh, cool. <laughs> that, 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 that may have been something that she mentioned to him before which is why she's no longer with him that she was lonely in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly yeah. what I got. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was just kind of reaching with that one, but you got the same thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. Cause it kind of, and when he says that he's saying like almost repeating it as like, um, trying to, to point out what he thinks is like a, a flaw in her logic. Like you say that you were lonely, then why am I the one that's alone? You know, you've apparently moved on. You've apparently found somebody else who maybe, you know, he's jealous of the fact that she could find somebody else that that um, won't leave her lonely in the relationship while he's all by himself. So he, he's a little bit, a little bit uh, being selfish here. Right. <laughs> maybe. Right. Like speaking of like, I don't, you know, I'm the only one with pain here. Well, maybe, maybe not, you know, (laughs) it's always, always two sides to every, every story as we know. And we're getting, we're getting one half in this song, but that's the story. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But but it's kind of cool that he chose to insert these lines because it could have just been very completely 100% one-sided look and by writing these lines here in this section of the song, Prince chose to throw us as the listener, maybe an alternate look at the the relationship that he's singing about and doing it maybe at the expense of of how the singer looks in the song. Mm -hmm. If he's telling us by singing these lines that she at some point told him she was lonely with him while she was with him. 
that that's not a real favorable way of looking at you know within like you you were so emotionally absent that you know she was lonely when she was with you she couldn't find that soulmate with you i thought it was smart of prince otherwise it's just all woe is me but this right. is this is him giving us a chance to say yeah i wasn't i probably wasn't so perfect in this either i have i have a role to play in the end of this relationship let us see a different side or, or give us a little snippet of what actually went on in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, very smart of him to do that. Any other comments about this section of the song before I move on, Karen? I just thought it was interesting that he spoke this part uh, versus singing it in some way. It's almost like he's thinking out loud to himself. I thought that was interesting that he put the the talking point right there and then went right back into so here I sit you know Mm -hmm. I thought that was I thought that was kind of cool that he put that in there yeah right because you're thinking like um, the way the lyrics are structured he's singing the lines like he's talking to us the listener but that spoken section is almost like his inner thoughts Mm -hmm. that weren't really meant to be necessarily shared Right. Um, but they were anyway, because, you know, we're 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 voyeurs in this person's <laughs> misery. But yeah, good point. I like I do like that as well. He could have sang those lines and um, he chose not to for a reason. Then he moves on after that. So here I sit in my lonely room looking for my sunshine. All I've got is two cigarettes and this broken heart of mine. So that's a repeat of um, a previous verse. Same, basically same lines there. And it just brings home the point again that he's right back to square one. You know, <laughs> he's mm-hmm. still in his lonely room, still looking for his sunshine. Back to his two cigarettes and a broken heart. I mean, nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed throughout the course of the song. He's still this, he's still extremely lonely, still extremely sad, and uh, completely bummed out. And I don't know about you, but when you're trying to get answers, especially if you're having problems in a relationship and you can't reach that person, oh my gosh. You, it's like, come on, I'm trying to talk to you, I'm trying to get answers, and you won't talk to me. It's it's very, very, very frustrating. Yeah. You know, and it can it can occupy like hours in your day. You know, you try to reach this person. So I, I I I get that. And I and he he definitely relays that through this song. Well, yeah, it's 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 funny you mentioned frustrating because after this verse then he goes back into the chorus, let the rain come down, let the rain come down, down. And then the song starts to kind of fade out i mean it's ending now but he's got this one this one last line that he sings in a in a very frustrated tone why don't you answer your phone exactly and that that speaks exactly to what you just said where he's got something to say Mm -hmm. he never really tells us in the song what that is i mean what's this what's this magic what are these magic words he's going to speak to this person if he gets her on the phone that's going to make anything different. That's going to change anything. We don't. We don't know. He doesn't tell us. Right. 
all he's trying to do in this song is convey the loneliness and frustration that he gets from not being able to reach her. Why don't you answer your phone? I mean, that's why he keeps bringing up the whole called you, tried to call you, I want to call you. Why don't you answer your phone? Because he apparently feels like he has something to say and he wants to at least explore that. I don't get the feeling that he's necessarily saying like, I've got the answer if you would just pick up the phone, but he at least needs to try. He needs to at least give it a shot and he can't because he can't reach her. And like you said, that has got to be terribly frustrating for somebody who's already, you know, obsessed with, with how this ended and, and, you know, very broken up about it to the point where that's all they're like totally consumed with this thought. And he's been trying to reach her for days, not just this day. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, come on now. How, How is it that in 17 days I haven't been able to call you or talk to you? Come on. Yeah, I don't know if this was before um, you could block phone calls. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> she's just got, I don't know if she has caller ID or if she just uh, just knows, like, oh, well, that's got to be him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who else is going to be calling me at this time of day? And like you said, we don't even know what he wants to say to her. You know, nope. it could be a, an apology. It could be an admission of something. It could be anything that he's trying to tell her. So. Yeah. Yep. And that's where kind of the song basically ends at that point. Because as the last chorus just keeps getting repeated and repeated, then he throws in the, why don't you answer your phone? Mm-hmm. And then more of the let the rain come down. And then you get the, the women, 17 days. Right. And um, that's how the song ends. It's, it's a fade out song. Um, it doesn't have like a, an abrupt ending like when does cry does this song really taps into like <clears throat> like an angsty teenager type song that maybe if i was a teenager i wasn't i was a little too young still but if i was a teenager in 1984 this song could have really been something that spoke to me especially if i had experienced a breakup yeah. you know like like you feel very you know everything is more heightened when you're a kid you know, like the feelings of rejection it feels stronger mm-hmm. i feel like when you're younger and you don't have the maturity to to kind of back that up and i could just see this song being a, a a teenage anthem for somebody who was experiencing a breakup like they could play this song it says prince speaks to me mm-hmm. he exactly. understands me exactly. he understands this feeling of loneliness and frustration when you can't reach out to the person that you just need to clear things up with or talk to so you know that for me like this this loss and sadness would have really been attractive to teenagers at the time who potentially were experiencing like this kind of emotions right and there was no there was no social media there was no texting back then so it was just the phone yeah you know that was it if you couldn't see the person in person you had to call them so that was the only way to really reach anyone back then other than you know the, a letter or something was just to call them yep so yeah exactly. and there's there's lots of uh, use of that of that word call so we know that in, in this time frame as both of us were alive at then you know 
if you couldn't get somebody on the phone, if they were not within reasonable visiting distance, unable to get them on the phone, you were pretty much, that was Done. pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. You could, you could send them a letter, I guess. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you knew their address, but there's also no guarantee they're going to respond. You know, I mean, and Prince in general, I mean, once again, like the whole appeal of Prince at the time to, to the younger population. I mean, he represented so many different things. He could represent, um, you know, like the heartbreak in the song, in a song like this and sadness, but then also on, you know, another song, he could be very sexual and, and, uh, irreverent. You know, there's some, there's a little bit of danger and anarchy in, in some of his songs and his lyrics too. So you got the whole range of stuff, all the stuff that appeals to to younger people. You get it all with Prince, and yeah, this song could be categorized and cataloged under the heartbreak section of Prince songs, but he does it so well, and he's able to do uh, he's able to convey those emotions so well through these lyrics that it's not just a woe is me song anymore. It becomes like you can relate to it. So so Karen, with, with 17 Days, we're pretty much wrapping it up here. There's no more lyrics at this point. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of the lyrics of 17 Days or even just you know your attachment to the song as somebody who heard it when it was out i mean did you experience any kind of heartbreak that you could have thought that song speaks to me or is it always just a really good song with a, a kind of a sad message that you related to in a different way well when i used to listen to it all the time like you said it had a nice groove you could dance to it that's what i remember was just hearing it and just hearing that beat and just getting into it like that you know that it was a great song to dance to mm -hmm. as far as the lyrics uh especially when he would speak those lyrics i would think about you know not being able to reach somebody or not being able to talk to somebody that you've broken up with um and i i could relate for some reason when i would hear him say those those words then i would think about it but as far as the song overall i i just love the the hook and the the sound of the the song. I mean, it was it was a dance song to me. It wasn't like a heartbreak song to me, even though it was. Mm -hmm. That that's how I remembered it. And and even when I listen to it now, it's just a groove to me. But again, when you would hear him speak those words, you'd be like, dang, you know. Then you would think about it. For me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was the same way. I was the same way. I didn't um, when I first heard it in the early 90s because of its position on the hits and b-sides i was really attracted to the music mm -hmm. it, it was it was the groove like you said the music i loved the the drums um just the creativity behind that this the, the swirling like psychedelic guitar that starts the song just all of that was really kind of appealing to me and cool and yeah i, I knew that it was a song about heartbreak you got that from the chorus Got that from hearing some of the lines, but diving into the lyrics now for this for this episode for this podcast in a way that I hadn't before, you know, I think it it really has elevated itself as that kind of heartbreak song where, yeah, okay, I'm not experiencing that 
currently, but it can be relatable to anybody who's anybody gone through that kind of experience of not being able to reach somebody. It doesn't even have to be about a breakup. It can just be anybody that you're just trying to get a hold of and you can't because of whatever limitations you have for communication, whether it's because of distance or you don't have the phone number anymore, you know, they blocked you, whatever, you know, I mean, oh, there's, so, there's yes. so many ways that you can communicate with people now in 2020, but that doesn't make it necessarily any easier to communicate. If Especially if that person doesn't want to talk to you, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that's what hurts the most. Even if you can reach them, if they're not talking to you, if they don't want to deal with you, it hurts. Like mm-hmm. you said, I'm, I'm for whatever reason, romantic or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you can also, you can insert, like if you have like a close friendship that ends, you can almost have like the same kind of experience losing a very close friend or, you know, fall out with a family member. I mean, it could all, it can all fit. Right. Into that. Okay. So 17 days. It really stands tall among a lot of Prince's B-sides. For a lot of people, it's either, you know, top three, top five, number one, like it is for me. And I think that this song will endure as one of those, one of those hidden tracks, like people who are getting into Prince um, later. I hope that they they find this song, but I, I kind of think it's cool that you know if you're just if you're just digging into his discography proper, mm-hmm. you're not going to get this song right away. No, I don't think you're not going to hear it. And um, and but for those people, it'll eventually it'll eventually catch wind of it. People will talk about it. Like, oh, I need to check out that song, and then you're just going to be your mind's going to be blown because it's that good. <laughs> Bottom line, I agree, and and it's still. You still hear it on, you know, old school R&B stations. You still hear it there. Good. You know, yeah. Good. It needs to be. It needs to be out there as, you know, as part of um, part of the song, part of the collection of songs from the 80s that of, of Prince's music that gets played. It doesn't need to just be the same six, seven songs over and over again. There's so exactly. many great songs throughout his entire mm-hmm. career. But right. even if somebody wanted, even if a station like an oldie station or, you know, a, an old school R&B station wanted to just focus on Prince's 80s stuff, there's still so much more there. You don't have to just play the same six or seven songs. And I'm, I and agree. I'm, and I'm thrilled that B-sides are getting some play. All right. Um, okay. So I think you've had your final say. and I've had my final say. So we'll wrap it up now. Okay. Uh, thanks, Karen, for joining me again. Thank you, and thank you for having me again. I always enjoy this, so I appreciate the opportunity. Anytime, Karen, and you know I'll have you back on. All right, so this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. Thanks again to Karen Shedrick for joining me on the 17 Days episode. Uh, reach me at uh, Press Rewind 75 uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So thank you again, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.